Well, good morning, Return Church. I don't know if y'all heard about the lady that was traveling down Highway 30, and she looked behind her, and there were sirens in the mirror, lights going off. State trooper pulled up behind her and came up to her car and said, Ma'am, had to pull you over. You're going too slow. And she looked at the sign and she said, there's the sign that says 30. And the officer says, ma'am, that's Highway 30. And so we've had to pull you over because you're going too slow. And he said, by the way, why does everybody in your car look so scared? She said, that's probably because we just came off of Highway 130. Amen. <laughs> A little icebreaker, you know. But uh, God is good. It is good to be here with you today. And as it's, this is our home church, and always good to share the Word of God. As I was sitting or standing over this morning, I, as we were worshiping, I thought. God, I'm so unworthy to, to do this. I, I feel so unworthy. But when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, and because of what he did for me, it's not about me to begin with. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he has done, the blood that he shed for our sins. We're going to go this morning to the book of Acts, chapter number 19, and I won't do like I did when I preached for Chad once in San Marcos, Texas, and he'd already shared with them that I came from a snake handling church, and then I got up and preached, my message was about snakes, and they got pretty quiet, <laughs> so... Uh, but I won't do that this morning. We're going to go to the book of Acts chapter number 19. And we're going to begin reading in uh, verse number 13. If you will, let's stand for the reading of God's word this morning. <clears throat> Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. They would say, in the name of the Lord Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, were doing this. And one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Can we all say that this morning, but who are you? Or more personal, can we say, who am I? And the spirit looked at him and he said, but who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. And when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. Dear Lord, as we enter into your word this morning, I ask God as always that you would challenge our hearts, 
that you would challenge our spirits, that you would challenge us as people, God, to walk fully and wholeheartedly in your purpose for our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Can we all say amen as you are seated? If I had one message to leave with this generation, it would be this. That is that the church is alive and well. The church is not a beat down, powerless, backboneless, weak, need, wimpy group of people. But it is victorious, it is triumphant, it is marching. We are soldiers of God, we are in the army of God. Don't you thank God today that the church is still alive? The church still has power. The Lord has not left us alone in the end time. The midnight hour has come, but the church is rising to the occasion. We are not hiding in a corner, afraid of what is going on, afraid of what is happening in the world, afraid of society. We are not afraid of everything that is happening in our world today, but the same power that was brought on the day and fell on the day of Pentecost when they were all gathered together in one place and gathered in one accord and suddenly a violent wind came from heaven and it filled the house and the Bible said that all of them were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and they began to speak in other tongues. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says you will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You will receive power when his Holy Spirit is upon your life. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that in the last day, evil men and seducers would wax worse and cold, but also it says that where sin doth abound, does God's grace much more abound. The church is greater today than it's ever been before. It's a powerful force. We are an army and we are the children of God. And we want the devil to know today that we are not afraid of him. We are not worried about what he is doing. The church is able to still bring victory. It is able to bring deliverance. It is able to see captives set free. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke of darkness out of our lives. Sometimes there is just a simple move of God when people are delivered and set free. Maybe it's the singing of a song or maybe it's the singing of an old song and it brings conviction and people are delivered by the power of God without any fanfare, without a big show, without the spotlights and without all the blinking lights and without the fog machines and with all the PowerPoints and all the computers and screens and things that we have today. We need a revival and a moving of the spirit of God more than we need any of those things. I don't know about you this morning, but I would rather go to a tent and have the power and the presence of God and see his moving and his operations in spirit than to step into a beautiful edifice of a house of, uh, like this and not see the presence and the spirit of God. I want to see a move of God and his spirit poured out upon his people. 
the Lord and has will, he will and he has come down and healed folks during the preaching of the word of God in Acts chapter 10 and verse 44 it said, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word of God. Yes, the church is still alive. Yes, the church is still well in our day. The church still has power for he said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I am glad to know that we can triumph over the devil today. I'm glad that we have the good news of Jesus Christ. We don't have to lay down and defeat and give in to the devil. We have a power that is greater on the inside of us than every weapon that is formed against us. This generation is looking the devil in the eye as he asks the question today that no one wants to hear when he asks, who are you? I'm talking to an individual or individuals today who have responded to the challenge of the devil. We must respond as individuals. We have to give an answer to the devil's question, who are you? We look at our story this morning. If you go back and you read the first few chapters in Acts chapter 19, they were having a move of God down in Ephesus. The power of the Lord God was moving and great things were happening. They were seeing deliverances. They were seeing healings and powers of God demonstrated in a tremendous way. And it became the talk of the town. And there was a group of Jews in the city that was called vagabonds and they had gotten the name of being exorcists and they were casting out spirits and, and Paul had come to town and he was preaching what they had never heard before and they were seeing people filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and people being baptized in water and, and baptized in the spirit and, and they were seeing healings and they were seeing miracles and when Paul would speak to those devils and he would say to those devils, come out, the devils would instantly flee and they would hit the ground running and they would run from the spirit of God. And when this Paul man, man named Paul said in the name of Jesus Christ, come out, there was very little argument. The devils would hit the road and they would run at the authority of the mentioning of the name of Jesus and it caused a stir and the group of vagabond Jews or the exorcists decided that they would add this little magic spell to their agenda. And the seven sons of Sceva, who was the chief priest of the area, decided they too would begin to use the name of the Lord. And so they picked out this man that had a devil. The only problem was is that he really did have a devil. And they gathered around him trying their little hocus pocus and grinning and saying, we've got us a good one here. And they said to each other, let's use this thing that Paul preaches. And they began to cry out, we adjure you or we exercise you by the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the devil spoke and they didn't count on him speaking. He didn't go out running like it had happened with Paul, like when Paul had done it and the devils fleed and the devils ran out. But rather, the devil started talking to them. 
And that demon-possessed man swung around that circle of seven men, looked every one of them square in the eye and said, Oh, yes, Jesus, I know. I met him on a hill called Calvary. I met him at a garden. I saw a stone road back. Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but I want to know who is this, is who are you? Who do you think you are? My message revolves around one point this morning and that is these seven men had no answer because they did not know who they were. I want to ask you this morning, do you know who you are? Not do you know the God that I serve and not do you know the God that your pastor serves and not do you know the God that your family serves, but do you know God? Do you know him for yourself? And so they had no idea what they were doing. All they had was a name that they had heard somebody else use. All they had was the knowledge of an experience that they had heard someone else receive. All they heard was preaching, but they had never joined in themselves, so they did not know who they were. I am convinced this morning that many people that sit on the church pews don't really know who they are. They listen to the preaching and they hear the word of God, but they never get a grasp of who they really are. Can I tell you this morning that you are a child of God. You are a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He is Jehovah, my provider. Can you give him praise in this house this morning? Every generation must face the challenge of the devil. We must not simply be the heirs of great men and women. We must become great men and women ourselves. The devil is saying, I know all the men and the great women of the past. They were precious and they were preachers and they were great things of the past, great movements of the past. You look at men like Jonathan Edwards and Billy Sunday and the great awakening and things that spread across in the movements of God, but the devil is not afraid of the things of the past. The devil isn't afraid of old people and the old preachers of the past, for they are gone today. He is saying, I know that those who fast and I know that those who pray and I know that those who spend time speaking Jesus, he's saying I won't mess with that person because they have the power of God in their life. What I want to know today is who are you? True, we need to pray like they prayed or believe like they believe or preach like they preach, but we must also live like they live, but We don't inherit, this is not, we don't inherit what they had. Convictions are not inherited. Every generation must establish it for themselves. I don't just inherit what the great preachers of the past used to preach. Now, I can inherit their goods, yes, but I can't, I can't make it to heaven on their salvation. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings today, but I want you to understand that the reason some of us have so much trouble living right, the reason so many of us struggle with godliness and we flip-flop 
this way and that way, in today and out tomorrow with this crowd, you're one thing and with another crowd, you're something else is because you have tried to live with somebody else's convictions. You've tried to live your pastor's convictions. You've tried to live your family's convictions. But the devil will never let us buy with anything unless you know who you are. The devil isn't afraid of the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is the most powerful name there is, but he is not afraid of that name alone because he knows the name of Jesus. But what the devil is afraid of is he is afraid of those who have the right to use that name. The name of Jesus isn't just a magic formula. It's not a magic spell that anyone can stumble across and say hocus pocus and open some sesame seed and things begin to happen. The name of the Lord Jesus is tied irrevocably to the man or the woman or the young person who is daring to face the devil with that name. Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Every generation must establish for themselves. Every generation must settle the question. Every generation must respond to the challenge. I believe today that we have a generation that can come to grips with who they are and what this is all about. We are not a group of losers. We are the children of a living God. We are not weak-kneed weaklings. We are the children of the living God and the power of God reigns on the inside of us. And when they had no answer, the devil prevailed against them and he leaped on them and he could, not, he could not attack them unless he first identified them. He had better sense to wade into someone who really had the goods. He had learned from experience that you had better check out the terrain. You had better know your enemy. And so he asked them, now Jesus I know and Paul I know, but please come and identify yourself. It's kind of like a soldier when a soldier is in battle. Within his own platoon, the soldier will say, approach and be identified. Let me hear your name. Let me hear your rank. Let me, hear, let me know your serial number. Could you look at me into your heart and see if there is anything in there? And the seven sons of Sceva stood mute and answerless before the devil. And then the devil's eyes lit up, and the Bible says that he leaped on them. He prevailed against them. He overcame them, and he left them naked, a public laughingstock, because they did not know who they were. Who are we today? Well, I can tell you who we are as a church. We are a church that is marching onward, triumph in the name of Jesus. We are the sons and daughters of God. We have the power to tread on darkness and to break the spirit of the enemy. No wonder they failed. The Bible said they were vagabonds which means they were a group of bombs. They had what the, they, this is what the Bible says. Another word for vagabond is a bomb, a hobo, no responsibility, no loyalty. 
slithering around here and there, whichever way the wind blew, whoever had the biggest revival, whoever had the greatest preacher, whoever had the biggest name, whoever sang the best, whoever had the most active youth department, no root, no responsibility, no loyalty. They were bums, they were hobos, and they were not good in the kingdom of God. No wonder they couldn't use the name of the Lord with power. It takes something more than just dancing in the aisle. It takes something more than stomping your foot. It takes more than just religion because sometimes we can learn how to do the activities that we do in church. Now, don't get me wrong. It's okay to dance. It's okay to stomp your foot. It's okay to clap your hands. You need those experiences, but you have to have some roots to your experiences. You have to realize that in God's kingdom comes responsibilities. How desperately we need responsibility in this generation. How desperately we need people that will take responsibility. We have to realize that the root of the tree is the most important portion of the tree. Because that's where it gains its stability. That's where it gains its strength. And the gathering of the nutrients and the water of the job goes through the roots. When you cut off the roots, the tree is dead. The tree will die no matter how beautiful the foliage or how graceful the limbs. If you sever the roots, the tree is going to die. I believe today that it is time that we sink into the roots of God's church, that we stick our feet in the mud, that we become rooted and grounded in the things of God. It was the church that found you when you were nothing. It was the church that found you when you didn't know what you were going to do or where you were going to go. We need to become responsible and dig our roots into the kingdom of God. The church preached to you when you were nothing. The church loved you when you were not lovable. It is time to put your roots down and say, God, here I am. God, here I am. Use me for your kingdom. I sink my boots in the mud. I'm ready to go to combat against the enemy. I square my shoulders up tall and I stand strong in the warfare and I fight in the good fight of faith. Why would we trade the power of God for what happens in some backboneless relationship with some kind of spiritual monstrosity? Why would we trade that? Why not hang on to the truth of God's word and put down some roots? How about some responsibility? There are some responsibilities that go with being a child of God. It's time to learn to pray. It's time to learn to fast. It's time to learn that we are not children anymore. We are not just eating or drinking from the milk, but we are eating from the steak. We are a part of God's army. There is some responsibility that goes along with it. Be faithful to the house of God. 
be faithful to coming to church and going to the altar and seeking the face of God. Worship God when the worship is going on in the service. God saved you. God delivered you. God set you free. Many of us in this building this morning should be dead by your own right. You should have died in that car wreck. You should have been dead from that overdose. You should have been six foot under for the lifestyle that you chose to live. Some of you should be spending the rest of your life in a penitentiary, but it's only because of the grace and the miracle working grace of God today. Somebody give him praise in this house. Oh, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. I thank you, God, for saving me. God saved some of you out of some lifestyles that nobody would have ever thought you'd be living for God today. You were a drunk, you were a drug addict. I come from the same place. I come from a lifestyle and background of that myself. I was saved as a small child, but when I got old enough, I left the ways of God. But how many of you know that you can't ever leave God? He will chase you and he will follow you. When there's a calling of God upon your life, you can drink all you want, you can drug all you want, but there is a God that needs to fill the void that is in your life today. None of you are a member of a church that never has downs. None of you are a member of a congregation whose pastor never misses the boat sometimes. Pastor Chad would probably be the first to admit that sometimes he misses the boat. He's not perfect. None of us are perfect. We won't reach perfection until we are walking on the other side of glory. There's only been one perfect person and his name was Jesus. This is not a perfect church. This is not a perfect place. But it is a place that you can come and you can be redeemed and you can be set free in the name of Jesus. There is no such thing as a church like that, but loyalty has to stick, has to stick with it when the going gets tough. When things are not so good. When things aren't falling into place. But that is my church. It's where God saved me. It's where God put me. And I will be loyal to the house of God no matter what. And so it said they were hobos. Anybody ever been a hobo? No wonder they fell. They were presumptuous. The Bible says that they took it upon themselves to call over them that had, had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus. We need to first and foremost learn that we cannot make it without Jesus. We cannot make it without God. We cannot do it without him. We cannot sing without him. We cannot preach without him. We alone have nothing to offer. And most devastating of all, 
They did not know it for themselves. Their experience was second-handed. Their walk with him was based upon somebody else's experience yesterday. I say thank God for those who have gone on before us and blazed the trail and made the way and preached the word of God and held on to the end, but our experience cannot be a pale shadow of what their experience was. We cannot live in yesterday. We are challenged to live in today. You must have it for yourself. Mama's apron won't do it. Daddy's Bible won't do it. What about my Bible? What about my altar? What about my experience with God? You've got to have your own experience today. You've got to have your own experience. You've got to have your own altar. You've got to read your own Bible. You've got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, the Bible says. And so who are you today? Have you ever looked in the mirror and asked yourself those simple questions? Who am I? What am I doing? And what is this all about? It is important for the world to know who we are. It is important for the devil to know who we are. But I tell you something, it is supremely important that the world knows us that the devil knows us, but more than anything, that we know who we are and we know what this thing is about. You are somebody. If you could get a glimpse from God who you really are today, you could turn the world upside down. This group of people here this morning, we could turn southern Indiana upside down if we all really knew who we are. You are special, you count, you are great, you are wonderful. Only because of the blood of Jesus, God has invested his best in you and you've got what it takes to get the job done. As our worship team returns to the music this morning, when you face the devil, you need to remember that you do not have to be afraid and you do not have to worry. If your folks are not in church, God's going to take care of you. If you're the only one in your school or in your work serving God, it's all right. God's going to watch over you. He will keep you because you are somebody to God. You are somebody You were a nobody, but God made you a somebody. When I think about that, I think about the story of Gideon as I close this morning. The angel of the Lord appears unto Gideon and he says, Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. You are a mighty man. Gideon was laying down in the wine press in fear for his life. Because he knew that if they caught him, he, was, he would be killed. But there's something about God. God doesn't see you as you are. God sees you for what you're going to be. 
He doesn't see you for where you've been. He sees you in the light of what you're becoming. And so all of us here today was a nobody, but God made us a somebody. When you walk into the room, people should be should obviously know that when you pass by them, they can say, man, there is something different about that person. There is something different about that person. You are somebody. Look at King David. He knew who he, who, he, knew who he was. He was a shepherd boy, but he was something more than just a shepherd He wasn't just a 16-year-old kid. He was a somebody. It did not intimidate him that great men of war were afraid to do what he was about to do. It did not intimidate him that it had never been tried before, nor did it intimidate him that it was a new day and it was a new era. We must rise above the mundane habits of yesterday. Those habits are not going to meet the challenges of tomorrow. We must engage or disengage ourselves from little thinking and realize that we are in his army. We are somebody as we stand in this building. The Bible says that David went out to meet Goliath and that Goliath became angry And he looked at David and he said, David, what am I, a dog that you would send a little boy with a stick to run me home? And Goliath was so angry. But you know something? When he looks at the church, it oftentimes looks like us. Let me point out the difference between that bunch of vagabonds in Ephesus And this one lone somebody standing on the other side of the creek facing the giant. They said, said, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And David said, no such thing. Goliath said, David told him he would cut off his head and feed his inside to the beast and the birds. And David looked right in the eyes of the giant and he said... You come with me with sword and shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. I come to you with something different. I come to you in the name of Jesus. And the devil said to David, who are you? And the answer was clear. I have come in the name of the Lord. I wear his name on my heart. I wear his name on my mind and I wear it on my body. His name is tattooed in my heart. And David took a slingshot and put a stone in it and he let it go. And you can believe how you want to, but the hand of Jesus reached down and took that rock and made it straight and true. Jesus is here for us today. This altar is open this morning. Dear Lord, as we worship you in this house, God, there is some people in this building today, God, that are struggling with habits, 
struggling with addictions, struggling with things in their life that they need to let go. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would break those darknesses out of people's lives. Break that spirit, oh God, today out of the lives of people as we worship him this morning.